Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Oh my goodness. Welcome everyone to Asian Pop Nation, the home of all things Asian pop culture and more here on Sin. My name is Lisha, the EP of the show. And before we get through all of the crazy topics we have in this episode, let's talk about the music you just heard. Starting first with a brand new release from Korean solo artist Woods with his new title track called I Hate You. This does come from his new EP titled Colorful Trauma. We also paired that song with our second track called Happy Sad from Japanese pop rock band Five New Old. Now, the month of May may just already win the award for having the most amount of news and events that we just need to talk about together. So come join our team tonight of not only myself, but Xenia, Tracy, JP, and Lee as we go through topics such as the K-pop girl group Le Seraphim's debut, heaps of concert news coming from some of our favorite Asian Australian artists, but also from international Asian artists, which may be coming down to Melbourne quite soon. We also have, surprisingly, a lot of topics revolving around marriage and proposals, both in a fictional context and in real life. Plus, of course, we need to have a moment to also just acknowledge everything that went down during this year's Met Gala. So if you're keen to hear our team talk about all of these wild topics, be sure to stay tuned to our show because we not only provide the usual APN mayhem, but also we have tons of new Asian songs to play for you guys tonight. First coming from a Japanese hip-hop idol group, we have the song title L.S. from Lyrical School. Remember, you are listening to Asian Pop Nation. Hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation, and we just finished playing these trio of songs. First coming from Japanese female group Lyrical School, we have the song titled L.S. We also then played the title track Undercover from K-pop male group Very Very, which comes from their first full-length album called Series O Round 3 Whole. In the topic of first, we also have our third song, which is the debut track from Hybe and Source Music's newest and first girl group called Le Seraphim with their title track called Fearless. For some of our K-pop enthusiasts out there, you might already know about the significance of this group debuting, and maybe by now you know all the info about the Le Seraphim members, plus maybe you also watched their debut stages and listened to their whole album numerous amount of times. But for some of our listeners who might not be familiar, or maybe you just want to hear our thoughts about the track we last played called Fearless, you are in for a treat as the APN team do a little bit of a deep dive into this brand new six-member K-pop girl group, Le Seraphim. You've been around in the K-pop space at the moment. You probably know about this new girl group that we're talking about, especially if you're one type of fan who's very into like artists that come from a specific label. We're going to be talking about the new six-member girl group, Le Seraphim. That's a quick question. Why is it a big deal for this to be like the first girl group from this particular entertainment company collaboration? Well, this company is famous for a little artist, little indie artist known as BTS. Hive in particular, um, they've not, they just never really had a girl group except for that one really, really rare time, I think before even BTS debut. But to bring it back to this new group, uh, you know, this is the, yeah, this basically marks a 10 year period between Glam debuting and this new group debuting and this new group has goes under the name Le Seraphim 
French? It looks like French, right? Because you have the le at the yeah, beginning. The le, like, yeah, yeah. oh, le, le, something, um, the. But Seraphim isn't an actual word in French. And so you're like, what does this mean? Mm. And it turns out that le Seraphim is an anagram for the phrase, I'm fearless. Which I thought Seraphim also was like a term for an angel. Yes, it is a biblical type of angel. So cool double meaning. Fearless. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's certainly better than some of the other names the company has come up in the past. Like, this is technically a group that's, I think, is it co-managed by Hybe and Source Music? And so Source Music, obviously famous for G-Friend. Um, G-Friend are a great group, but I never really liked their name. It's kind of generic, just Yoja Chingu, just girlfriend in Korean. Oh, wait, that's it? Yeah, G-Friend. girlfriend? Oh, uh, okay. Just girlfriend in Korean, but in English it was G-Friend. Huh. Well, obviously, um, Tomorrow by Together um, is the last boy not actually in hyphen was the last boy group right oh. but tomorrow by together was the first boy group that this um, company released after bts released debuted after bts and tomorrow by together is a very long name same as bangtan sunyandan which is bts's original name well proper name like bulletproof boy scouts uh. so lusa Rafim is actually like a bit more concise so a bit shorter than what uh, i kind of like it more. it's it's a it's pretty punchy it's a punchy name yeah I think it looks more intimidating in English because we're not used to seeing nonsense words. In in Korean, it's like four ca- characters. So right. it feels more manageable. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of groups with four characters, like Uju Sonyon, Uju Sonyo, Sonyon, Sonyon, yeah. And, um, you know, sh- 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 SNSD. And there's just a lot of four character groups. Mm. Pinku. Yeah. So, how do you feel about their, their music? It exists. Oh, yeah, y'all, y'all spent so long talking about the name. We didn't even know about the, the song. Because we had nothing itself. to say about the song. The song was, was nice. It, it was catchy. I, I watched the music video, but I don't think it stood out to me in any particular way. Yeah, they have one um, quite good vocalist, uh, Hai Yunjin. He she used to be a playlist trainee, and then playlist was bought by Hype, and now so, so now she's in this group. And she's Korean American, which is like nice because actually I feel like the numbers of Korean Americans in K-pop are decreasing. But Korean Americans are often like really good vocalists. Um, yeah, it's the American spirit. It's the American spirit, and you yeah, know there are some sure. other members of this group which have pretty cool pre-debut histories. Mm, I heard one was a was a ballet dancer, Tracy. Yeah, that's correct. Her yeah. name is Nakamura Kazuha. Oh, and she studied ballet in the Netherlands. Yo, cool. the net. What the heck? Yeah. Man. So you know, the 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 Dutch are claiming her as one of their own. You know, really? there's not that many European K-pop idols. Like you have Young Young, who lived in um Germany for a long time. Uh huh. And now the Netherlands have Kazuha. Wow. Yep. Dutch represent. Can she speak German? I have no idea. <laughs> Um, I think that's a no because I think like during the interviews and stuff, she mentioned she was only there for a few months before she was like coming back to Korea and stuff to train and whatnot. But yeah, but uh, how long did she train for? How long did she train for? Like in the group or training in the ballet thing? Because either one, I have no idea. <laughs> in the oh okay, I'm sorry, not type representative, but I yeah. I do want to <laughs> give a little. If we're talking about members and stuff. 
I do want to give a shout out to two girls. I mean, people who have been keeping up with Le Seraphim know that these two girls in the group are definitely one of the most like, they're the ones that usually people are like, they, they were like hyping up the most since it was announced that they were going to be part of a group. It's the former two Eyes One members, um, Kim Chewon and Sakura Miwawaki, which is, um, sorry, I was just obsessed with her during like Eyes One time and also during back in like Produce 48, which was the show that they all like used to be in, competition show things. Um, and yeah, no, so I was really excited to see them. I guess, I guess the word we're using is re-debut into a new group. Mm, and a permanent group. Yeah, yeah, in a permanent group this time too. <laughs> That's so true. But yeah, um, I was really excited to see them in this new group and in the music video and everything. Um, I'm not going to say I'm a little bit bummed out that Sakura didn't get as much screen time, but it's it's whatever. But I think mm-hmm. Chewon definitely, I think she's also, they appointed her as like the leader of the Seraphim. She and stands out so much. Like in yeah, yeah. Way. They yes. gave her this really short, short bald yeah. haircut and her hair is black, not orange. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just looks edgier and... I really like her hair. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, exactly. And yeah, like what you said, I so agree that like, yeah, she stands out so much in this debut. And I think, um, oh, how do you say it? Yunjin also stands out a lot. And it doesn't, I mean, for her end, it's really cool to see because again, she's been a trainee for a really, really long time. She also used to be in Produce 48, that whole training competition thing. She didn't make it to the final lineup. So past that point, I think she was just in the training dungeon <laughs> till um this whole thing and she really like she really stands out too as well and yeah great stuff <laughs> but for the song personally for me like i like i guess i like the concept that's slightly more like the chic and if we want to say that but i think the yeah. song um Zenia mentioned it a bit and i also agree with it that it doesn't stand out too much i don't know if that's like what they're trying to go for to kind of start a little bit not so like i don't know not to start their debut with so much as a bang and more of like a casual come in because they already know there's a lot of hype with just the members existing in this group alone and um, it's a very nicely produced song like it's mm-hmm. not grating in any way mm-hmm. i think for this group they go their concept right their group concept is that they want them to be sort of like like i think a lot of their teaser photos and stuff have, they look like fashion photo shoots mm. so there's this fashion feel to like their showcase the stage was kind of looked like a runway so i think they're kind of going for like songs that sound good at, like when they play at zara <laughs> H&M's. Kind of vibe they're going for yeah h&m playlist side note they have really nice playlists on spotify um that sort of style of music like smooth kind of shiny sounding which mm-hmm. is a lot of k-pop so maybe they want for go to go for like a more g like a gp friendly sound Mm-hmm. But no, this song is no like crown or in, in terms of hype as a company, obviously they're stacked. Yeah, you know, like obviously they're loaded because they have BTS and they also have TXT. Like they have a lot of uh, and seventeen now they have a lot mm-hmm. of immensely popular money making boy groups under them. So it'll be really nice to see what an art, uh, essentially like an art direction. What sort of art direction they give to Seraphim? Because obviously TXT had really good art direction, really cohesive like storylines um, surrounding the comebacks. So I'm really excited to see how that um, might be. Also, G Friends had really, really nice visual sort of storytelling and photography and just general uh, like visual themes in their music videos and stuff before they were unceremoniously disbanded by hype for reasons that will never ever be revealed. 
Um, but I imagine that that same creative team hopefully will work on the Seraphim. Yeah, let us know whether or not you're excited for this group's debut through our socials on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are Asian Pop Nation. If you're just listening to our show right now, welcome to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. And for our listeners who have been tuning in for a while now, welcome back. It's me, Leisure here, and we were just playing some tracks. First, coming from a Japanese female idol group, we have Ray with their song titled Seventeen. We also played this indie pop track from Ego Apartment called The Wire. And lastly, we played a new single to come from Asian Australian artist Yoi with his song called Never Miss. Fun fact for all our listeners who may go on YouTube later, for example, to listen to this track, you might also find a little cooking series he has been doing, showing some of his favorite Malaysian comfort foods, so check it out for sure. It's just like a cute bonus way to support your local Asian Australian artists. Another way you can support not just local Asian Australian acts, but also some international Asian artists is by attending some concerts and Oh my god, we at APN have a stack full of artists who honestly just barely scratches the surface of Asian artists that are making their way down to Melbourne in the upcoming months. So get your phones, notebooks, I don't know, pen and paper ready to go as we give you a rapid fire of artists touring to Melbourne very soon this year. So we all know that the world has had to embrace quite a lot of lockdowns, but not as much as the world's most lockdown city, uh, Melbourne. We are very excited for the return of live entertainment, including, as we've seen, the Melbourne International International Comedy Festival and the South Asian Festival. So it's the perfect cherry on top to highlight some of the Asian musicians that are making our way down to Melbourne soon. Yay! And some of the members of the team have already booked some tickets already, uh, including Celeste, who have booked tickets to this coming duo, uh, Kat and Kamel. So you might have heard some of their music on our airwaves every now and again. They're a Sydney-based rising pop duo who debuted actually during COVID <laughs> the, in October 2020. And alongside their latest 2022 single, Cry, they are embarking on their debut headline tour called The Cry Tour. Uh, but don't cry. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> it commences in late May. Uh, they're going to be arriving uh, in Melbourne first on May 21st in the Nightcat and then heading to Brisbane and then Sydney later in May as well. So head over to Secret Sounds, go to their Instagram at Kat and Kamel uh, and check out the music because I'm a big fan of Get Old, I think is the song. Uh, it's very relatable to anyone who is young <laughs> and wow. struggling through life. But JP, I feel like you have an artist that you wanted to showcase here. Yes, I do have another artist to showcase, and uh, they're called Jaguar Jonesy. Um, If you're looking to see something more local, some more local Asian Australian artists, uh, go to Jaguar Jonesy because she's having a national tour in Australia. It will take place in late June and early July this year. So, after the release of her latest single, Trigger Happy, and competing in Eurovision Australia Decides 2022, her upcoming tour this year will feature songs which will be coming on to her debut album titled Bunny Mode. So, she'll specifically be performing in Melbourne on the 16th of June at the Corner Hotel, and also in Geelong on the 19th of June at Bar One Club. Uh, check out jaguarjohnsy.com for more info, but uh, for Melburnians, hurrah! 
I'm going to be specifically pointing out this artist that I personally have been enjoying her a lot. Um, we played quite a lot of her singles on Asian Pop Nation because she's, she's just been turning out a lot of 2020 singles. Like Mona Lisa in particular is my favorite in terms of her 2022 singles at the moment. We're talking about MXM Tune. She will be making her first ever appearance in Australia and New Zealand. And she'll be coming down to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Auckland specific cities during the month of October this year. So her tour is called Rising Brackets the World Tour. And it will not only feature her performing, like, again, all these new singles I was talking about, and also her classics like Prom Dress, if you know, you know. But she will also be performing songs from her new album, Rising, which is coming out very soon on the 20th of May, which I, for one, am very excited about when it comes out. But yes, for Melbourne specifically, she will be performing at the Melbourne Recital Centre on the 4th of October. Um, I'm trying to get tickets to it personally, but um, it's pretty, it's getting pretty booked out. So if you if you want tickets yourself, you better scramble quickly to mxmtune.com, her website, and get those tickets ASAP. Well, I'm going to go through some maybe more alternative picks from the international scene. Ooh, they're not like the other girls. They're not like the other girls. <laughs> if you want to freak someone out, take them too. No, that's too good. <laughs> So first off, we've got The Who, um, spelt H-U, so maybe The Who, I'm not sure. But The Who, not to be confused with the 60s British band, are a Mongolian folk rock and heavy metal band. So they became popular on YouTube um, for releasing their first album. They made their mark earlier in the year by appearing at Coachella. Um, they're going to be coming to Australia in August as part of their Black Thunder tour. In advance of their sophomore album, which is set to be set to be released later this year so that's going to be pretty cool um a band from mongolia pretty rare to find you know bands from mongolia especially ones that incorporate throat singing yo in their really songs. throat singing yeah throat singing whoa apparently. that's pretty cool so they're going huh. to be performing on the 3rd of august at 170 russell um the next two acts i'm going to go over are part of this program called japan in focus where um the Forum Melbourne will be hosting a lot of performances from Japanese artists of various different genres of music, um, including Mizori Takada um, and Kenji Taka Takimi. Um, but these two are doing a, a double build, are doing a joint show um, on the 11th of June at Forum Melbourne, and tickets for them are still available on the Forum website. So first of all, we've got Chai, the Japanese band, not the Korean American, not the Korean American singer, and we've got Buffalo Daughter, and I guess what these bands have in common, despite debuting um, ages apart, like Buffalo Daughter have been around I think since the nineties, Chai are very new, um, is that they have this very eclectic, off the walls kind of punk, experimental sort of energy to their music. They're very unpredictable. They don't take themselves completely seriously. They have fun, and so if you want to see something a bit more alternative. Um, check out Chai Buffalo Daughter. Uh, check out Chai and Buffalo Daughter at the forum or the Who at One Seventy Russell. Are there any other Asian acts that you guys are hoping to come to Melbourne eventually? Just putting put put your wishes out there. Go as crazy as you can. I don't know. Uh, I, I have so many Japanese artists that I like, but like they're really weird, and I don't know if they travel too much. Um, but there's this one shoegaze rock band that I really love called my dead girlfriend they're japanese 
they're pretty cool and all their names are just as outrageous as their band name like i'm pretty sure one of their albums is a full sentence like uh, oh the nine stages of death that there remains and uh, it just keeps going but man their music is really good it's really cool um i don't really listen to many artists like consistently mm. to like even in english like there's really very few that i'm like i love to listen to the albums front to back right. but i think radwimps i would love to kind of see radwimps oh radwimps of course i mean i like their music they haven't really missed for me um yeah but i, I don't know if they're particularly popular anywhere else overseas aside from japan maybe an american tour but like who ever remembers australia am i right my first thought was sam kim <laughs> I do. because why no i was just like because my head was like oh the ballad band <laughs> like the k-drama ballad band but yeah go off yes i just want k-drama ballad man to come over and make me feel the loved and appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah and just like sing his fun dancey songs to show people that he's not just ballad man <laughs> but also because like he's he doesn't he hasn't done a lot of shows since like 2019 outside of korea mm. so it'd be nice to see him come to australia because I don't know. Or maybe someone like um, Kwon jin who would never ever come to Australia because she's entirely just Korea fo- Korean um, focused. Like her whole music is just super Korean and she, they never will ever come to Australia. But she just have a, has a really nice voice that would be really amazing to hear live. I would love for Red Velvet to come down, but I know the chances are literally it's just 0% happening because SM Entertainment doesn't know Australia exists full stop. So mm-hmm. no SM artists just in general will ever come down. Which also, is... Girl Group's touring. Yeah. Crazy. SM yeah. has never heard of it. But yeah, again, once again, this was us here at APN just wanting to shout out all these incredible Asian artists that are coming down to Melbourne and also um, putting our own wishes out there. So um, I hope the sky outside has got lost stars and I'm putting like a wish out there that all of these artists that we mentioned one day come to australia or who knows maybe we all become like billionaires and then can afford to go to their shows at like their home country i don't know anyways but yeah let us know on asia foundation through our socials instagram facebook and twitter of all these like all these what are we talking about of all these shows that you maybe want to check out yourself or or maybe we missed out on some and you know shout us out some recommendations Hello, hello, everyone. You are tuning in to Asian Pop Nation. If you're just listening to our show right now, we were just playing a trio of songs after our APN team went through a whole list of Asian artists who will be making their way down to Melbourne soon for their own tours and shows. Let's talk through all the songs we previously played first, starting with Taiwanese Australian artist Jaguar Jonesy with her latest single called Punchline. We also then played the song titled Migratory Bird by Wonk, which one of our team members dubs the song as a British pop ballad vibes. And lastly, we played Kim Yeji's song titled Freak, which comes from her latest EP called Turned. As I mentioned a little bit earlier on our previous conversation, which if you missed out on it, you can always listen to our Asian Foundation podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on the Sin website. Wink, wink. But anyways, our APN team were talking about future concerts happening in Melbourne. But for this time, 
we will be talking about our experience at a concert, which actually already happened this month that not only myself, but our team members slash social media legend Lee both went together to see. So come join the two of us as we talk about our experience going to Australian Filipino artist Grant Perez concert in Melbourne. So hi, listeners here. This is going to be a little bit more of a... I don't want to use the word intimate, but it is really just me and Lee here <laughs> talking Hi. through this um, concert since we both attended the Grand Perez concert that happened in May 5th at the Workers Club in Fitzroy. And I don't know, we just felt like we wanted to talk about it because I don't know for you, Lee, but I mean, for me, it was like, this is my first concert like post-pandemic even though technically we're still in a pandemic but everyone's using post-pandemic as a thing but what about you is this like your yes. first concert out of the panini yes it is my first concert out of the panini and second concert overall in my entire life actually that's a lie third yeah because didn't you yeah. say you went to like a that, that was like yeah. the Billie Eilish one and then there's like a Yoroma one if you yeah. guys know it's his uh pianist who did river flows in you or something oh like my that God. but yeah every like everyone who knows piano who knows how to play piano knows that knows song. that song yeah <laughs> but we're not talking about Mr. Yeah. piano player here we're talking about mr guitar player <laughs> mr filipino australian actually yeah. you know, exactly you're right but yes we're talking about <laughs> grant perez me and lee we went with a couple of our friends to his concert and this yeah. is like his first one where it's like mainly in I guess you would say Melbourne CBD type of thing. And we went to go because I would say Lee introduced me to Grant Perez first. Really? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, bestie. <laughs> hey. Yeah, did you know? Because I did not know that. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just swear, I swear you mentioned like cherry wine first. You were like mm. the first person I've heard that mentioned like the song. And I listened to it. I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I'm like, wait. He's also Australian, bro. This is like, this is a triple threat moment, but also like great bonus. He's he's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys have like never listened to Grant Perez ever, you don't know who we're talking about, please just type it up on any like, I don't know, YouTube, Spotify, and just, oh, his discography is so good. And hearing it live, I mean, okay, before we get ahead to ourselves, Okay, let's do like a little like timeline moment of how the concert went. So yep. it was a massive line. That is so true. Massive line. Doors open at 7.30. Yes. But we thought that he would come out at like 8. Mm. But actually two, diff- two um, other artists came out before, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the first one was Tia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had a nice voice. Her vo- yeah, her voice is so good. And like, wow, like hearing her live everything, I was like, she could really hit those like high notes so easily. It just came mm-hmm. off so like effortlessly. effortlessly. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, wow, that like that is amazing. This is why you are on the stage and I'm down here listening. Down here. <laughs> yeah, and then the second one was Freed's. Yeah, yep. he came right after Tia. And it was really good, like, and I would say a really good lead on to like when Grant shows up right afterwards, because I think his genre of songs are like in that 
How would you explain yeah. it? Um. Um. <laughs> I don't want to, like, arm, like, it's like alternative indie R&B soul. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that nice, like, chill vibes. And it's a very good, like, lead on after. But yeah, those two supporting acts before Grant. Great. See, even Lee's dog in the background. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she loves Grimpers. Yeah. That didn't, didn't even attend and can claim 10 out of 10. Thank you, Tofu the dog in the background. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, after those two supporting acts, it was the main man himself, but Grant's incredible. He shows up and not just during like his performance, I would say overall with the two like previous acts and just the overall concert, the audience, I love the crowd energy. I don't know about you. Mm, me too. <laughs> I am we are the crowd, you know? We are the crowd. <laughs> so of course I'm like, yeah, I loved my own energy. <laughs> and then, like the other people that were joining in. It was just such a the crowd was just so fun and it was so supportive of all the acts like prior to Grant and when Grant shows showed up himself. Oh my god, the vibes were just like so good. When so he good. after his first song, like he he stopped and he was like, Hi. And it was like <laughs> I don't even know how to explain. It was like, wow, he's actually here, like in front of me, and I'm looking at him in the same room. Yeah, no, is is that like surreal? That, I know. Like oh this man god. I only seen on YouTube and like my Spotify albums. It's right in front of me. That's crazy. It is. Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. I had, like, the same answer. I was like, am I really here mm. in this concert with this guy right now? And he's performing all of my favorite songs, which, by the way, when he performed Clementine, I, <laughs> I think I, like, looked at Lee and I literally, like, yes. screamed. <laughs> he did not perform my favorite song, which is Absence of You, but that's okay because... Everything else is great. Exactly. His discography is so good. So it's fine, even though he didn't perform the favorite in the concert. His vocals just solid. He sounds exactly like how you hear his songs, but even better. You know, Mm. it's just, it's insane. And only like a few artists I've been to in the concerts, they sound like exactly how the they same. do in real life. Mm. Yeah, it's it's wild. But yes, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, like, he was not just good at singing, but he was also a really good performer. Because mm. he would like interact with us. Yeah. And, like, say happy birthday. Oh my god, I oh my god. <laughs> day was my birthday. But a few people's birthdays in the crowd, and he's like said happy birthday to them. And yeah. I, I'm jealous, but <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, no, I agree. He's so he was so interactive with the crowd. It was really it was really good to see. And also it was like towards the end of the concert, he was literally giving away his like set oh, yeah. <laughs> to the crowd. And me and Lee, because we were like further in the back. And this set, guys, the sets were like massive. He <laughs> was giving like plotted plants, a full big lamp away to yes. the crowd. And you just see it from like Again, we were facing in the back, so we just see at the front, there's, like, this massive lamp just being, like, brought down to the front row. How would you encompass, like, the concert overall? Overall? Mm-hmm. Like, actually? Like, like the concert nine. portion before we get to, like, okay, what okay. happened after. I reckon 9 out of 10. Like, mm. Because I don't give it 10 out of 10 because, one, he didn't play my favorite song, and <laughs> two... 
um, I was like near the back, and mm. me being very short, oh. <laughs> I couldn't see anything for maybe most like like actually I I couldn't see for like forty percent of the concert. Oh no, it's fine. Like just just listen to his music. Nine <laughs> out of ten for me. What about you? Oh, for me, I also would give a nine out of ten mm. for slightly different reasons. Cause aha, uh-huh, I'm tall. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I only give nine out of ten because um, I mean, okay, because this is like his first like headlining tour thing, so maybe this is just like a teaser moment. But I, I was hoping the concert be a little bit longer <laughs> because yeah. he has a lot. He has a lot of songs in his discography already, so it would have been really nice for it to be a bit longer. But yeah. again, totally understandable that this is like his first headline tour, so it's like. Testing the waters type of moment. Um, hopefully he likes the Melbourne crowd so much that he will come back again and do a longer concert, please. <laughs> Yay. I mean, he said we were the best crowd, but I'm sure he says that to everyone. Every crowd. That's what Every artists crowd. do in general. Yeah, we love you, Melbourne. You're the best crowd I've had. Yeah. 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 But also, I'll say overall, I was really happy. Plus, he did perform. He performed one song that was unreleased yet. And that was a real, like... Um, heart wrenching one, a bit of a tear jerker mm. one. Oof, hit, Oof. hit. It really like hit. And then he also performed "Wishful Thinking," which is like that song. I think at the time that we went to a concert, I swear that song only came out like one or two days ago. And yeah, people, and people in the crowd already knew like the entire lyrics. Yeah, so that just, was crazy. I didn't even know it yet. Yeah, and then I, I didn't think- even listen to it yet. But yeah, <gasps> my bad. Fan, <laughs> fan. <laughs> Yes. Um, After the concert. Concert, the concert. <laughs> finish the concert by saying, see you guys at the merch table. And everyone just ran out the door towards the, the merch, merch table. table. But we were smart because we we ran out and we stood, like, to the left of the merch table. Mm-hmm. But everyone, like, lined up out the door or something like that. We, we, we weren't thinking, like, strategically or anything. We were just, we're like... Just, like Oh, we'll just go over here. Yeah, we'll just go. We got a bolt, guys. Yeah. And we're just linking arms, like the four of us. And just oh, like- God. Yeah, at what point? I was like, wait, am I even holding your arm? Am I holding <laughs> some randoms? Yeah. yeah and then we were just waiting. And he just walks out, like, same way that we came out. Yeah. We, we're like, oh, is that him? What the? <laughs> he was, like, standing right next to one of our friends. And we just didn't even acknowledge. We're just like, where did this <laughs> random, like, denim jacket guy came yeah. from? And then we're like, what? <laughs> There's something so nice about, as a local, like, Asian Australian artists, not to flex, because, you know, we're a radio show, we like to highlight Asian Australian artists the most, but really, he's genuinely such a nice guy. What the heck? <laughs> mm-hmm. He was so humble, and he took photos of, like, everyone, and then he signed our shirts. Yeah. Alicia got the best signed shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> Because it includes a little arrow, like, pointing to his face. It was so cute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It was so nice. Yeah, he he was willingly, like, standing there and interacting with everyone there that was at the line. And, you know, there was, like, oh, yeah, he was first interacting with these, like, group of guys. And they were so hyped when he told them, like, oh, wow, you guys are, like, really buff. buff. Yeah. And they were, like, freaking out. They were, like, oh, my God, Grand Perez. Totally above. 
<laughs> oh, the vibes are just so good. And yeah, he did take photos with everyone. And haha, I did get a photo with him. <laughs> not to not to flex. <laughs> I did not. But I was like, nah, I don't want one. I look terrible right now. So no, <laughs> but it's no. okay. I took photos of him with my camera, so no. which is kind of like creepy, but. <laughs> <laughs> And again, he genuinely was like just interacting with everyone that was there at the merch table and signing T-shirts. Also, yes, me and Lee did cop the T-shirts. We now officially have Grant Perez <laughs> merch shirt. Australia tour kind of T-shirts. Yeah, it's so cute. The design's adorable. But yeah, um, any final thoughts about the concert? It was it was pretty good. Like. <laughs> I did not expect his tickets to be that cheap. Oh, and it was like a sold out event. Mm. And yeah, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it was it was worth it was worth. I if if the tickets were even more expensive, I'll still say it, it was like worth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though the t shirt was forty dollars, like I don't that, care. It was worth. It, <laughs> it goes into like how cheap the tickets were. Yeah, yeah. and also again, yeah, for his first like headline mm. tour across like australia great stuff 11 out of 10 love it it's yep. just yeah he, he is i think for me like i see there is a lot of potential with him he really i really see that he's gonna be very big in the future so it's mm. really cool that we get to see him like current like at the moment humble and- af <laughs> But yeah, again, this has been Leisha and Lee just talking through the Grand Perez concert that has already happened. But I guess, I don't know, maybe there are some listeners out there who also been to the concert and maybe you also have some thoughts. Let us know through Asia Pop Nation on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, support him, man. He is he genuinely really good singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Asian Pop Nation, since flagship show where we play not only the latest Asian hits, but also talk about a whole bunch of Asian pop culture news and more. My name is Leisha, and we were just playing three amazing tracks. First, coming from Australian Filipino artist Grant Perez, a now favorite of both Lee and myself after seeing him live in Melbourne this month with his latest single called Wishful Thinking. We also played the song called Sun by Taiwanese artist Kirin featuring Shishi before ending our trio of songs with the song called Heart by Japanese male artist Tobio, which by the way, the music video has an excellent use of animation plus real life footage, so check it out for sure. Anyways, usually when people mention the word heart, you're typically thinking about love, romance, along those lines. Well, our next story tonight is all about this quite unique love story, which recently gained a lot of online attention because a local Japanese man wanted to publicly share his relationship with the fictional character slash vocaloid singer Hatsune Miku. The ABN team has all the details about this relationship, so let's go listen in right now. So, on April 20th, a viral tweet emerged from a local Japanese man, Akihiko Kondo, revealing photos and a small backstory of his marriage and love to the fictional Vocaloid character Hatsune Miku. The post features the caption, My name is Akihiko Kondo. My job is a civil servant. I married Hatsune Miku, who lives in my house. 
About 15 years ago, I was bullied at work and took a leave of absence, but thanks to her, I was able to return to work. She saved me. I love Hatsune Miku. I'm very happy. It's very wholesome, interesting little caption. And it showed photos of his actual wedding ceremony to Hatsune Miku herself as well with all the various dolls. So in a New York Times interview published on the 24th of April, Kondo goes into more details about his relationship with the fictional computer synthesized pop singer, such as engaging in everyday activities like eating together or going to romantic getaways. And he commented how he ultimately saw more benefits in a fictional partner since there's no chance of betrayal or Miku falling ill, for example. She is practically immortal. The article goes even further to explain how the eventual proposal in 2018 happened after the introduction of a hologram device called Gatebox, which acted as the ultimate communication platform to interact with Miku. If you don't know what Gatebox is, it's basically like this glass cylinder, a little mechanical contraption, and inside the cylinder, a hologram of Hatsune Miku would be standing there and she'd be like doing stuff. Like, you know, you walk into the room, she'll call out to you, oh, hello, uh, husband Kuhn or something. I don't know. I don't know what they say. But apparently there is now a major obstacle to the relationship and that Gatebox is actually discontinuing the Hatsune Miku service. So obviously this has made Kondo pretty sad, but he hopes he may reunite with her one day or another in some other form. But most importantly, one of the reasons he wanted to publicly share his story this year was to show the world that people who identify as fictosexuals like himself do exist and that people should take the time in respecting other people's lifestyles. So that was Kondo's side. Very interesting guy. I've known about this man for quite a while. I remember it back in 2018 when he gave the actual marriage proposal to her and like it was actually the fanciest wedding ever it was a full-on function he was all dressed up all his friends came in suits there was a whole ceremony as well like he had a little Hatsune Miku doll and she was dressed up um very interesting so I would like to pose the most important question to you all here can robots really love Leisha any thoughts on this interesting man I was a Vocaloid fan once upon a time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm a Vocaloid fan, always a Vocaloid fan, Leisha. Yeah. I know, unfortunately, it's like a <laughs> virus that never goes away. When I read the interview and everything, he was like, oh, interested in her because he like, liked her singing. And then he like, I don't know, people who don't understand how Vocaloid works. How do you explain it? It's like, she's a singer, but then you can actually create it through like a computer. So you can actually create your own songs with yes. her voice and stuff. And then he started out doing that. And then slowly, slowly, I guess, romance started blossoming. That whole gatebox thing happened. And then that was the real leap of him being like, whoa, I can actually like just fully see her day to day and stuff like that. And then bam, now I'm married to fictional um, character. It's interesting. I mean, okay, wait, it's so hard for me to say because I, I do love my selection of fictional characters that I like, but not to this extent, not to this mm-hmm. extent. I just, okay, I don't know how to say this without not trying to be respectful. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be respectful. It's a slight question mark for me is how I'll phrase it. But ultimately, you know, is he really harming people? I don't think so. So I guess let, let him live his life. Um, he's a pretty harmless weirdo. Yeah, he just likes his uh, his blue-haired waifu, Hatsune Miku. Right? But also, what sort of personality does Hatsune Miku have? 
to make you like fall in love with her no, that's the thing she's more like an abstraction you know she's like an archetype so. yeah to what extent mm. does he love her or does he love what he projects onto her mm. yes he's essentially yeah. just married his own oc like he's dude, just that's actually his own that's such a, dude that's actually <laughs> such a power move oh my god <laughs> if you think about that Holy moly. Uh, you know what? This guy is like actually pretty crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Xenia, I'm going to turn it to you because we actually studied a class together called Japanese pop culture. And we actually covered this guy very briefly. Oh, for just week. for a yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Just oh, for a week. Oh, a but, week. Um, yeah. So in our class, what our teacher did was he'd give us a question to answer every week regarding um, one topic or another. And I remember the question was like, can marriage with a virtual character actually work? Would you give that your blessing? Like, Xenia, do you remember your answer? I don't remember my answer, but I don't think it's much different to how I feel at the moment. Uh -huh. I think with marrying a fictional character, and I'm not really sure how, was it Gatebox? Yeah, that's what it was called. How it operates? Does she have a different response every time? Are they set responses to certain questions that he asks? How do they hold conversations? Like, what's the algorithm behind that? Because in my head, I imagine it being like a Build-A-Bear, where you press its mm. hand and then it just says the same thing again, depending on what you say. Like Siri, I suppose. You know, it's, there's a limit. You can't ask Hatsune Miku, you know, what's the meaning of life? Or, you know, what do you think about the upcoming election? Um, yeah, I just feel like there's a limit and a lot of it is dependent on what you project onto a character that is so like two-dimensional or it's like sort of formless or shapeless mm. you can mold them into whatever you imagine them to be i don't have anything against him marrying her i think marriage i guess at this day and age is meant to be like an agreement to love each other um not that she can really consent but i don't think she ever <laughs> i mean <laughs> could in the first place oh, again no. the whole formless shapeless you know you can form her to whatever you're liking but yeah i just think that if he's happy and he's not harming anyone as Leisha said i think we should just let him enjoy his life but i feel sad that gatebox is no longer doing hatsune miku yeah i know why did they stop that man i'm sure there's other people married to hatsune miku right is that allowed technically it's one entity are their parents the company that made her do they get a say because, you know, don't you ask traditionally for your parents' blessing? Can you elope with Hatsune Miku? I don't yeah. know. I just, <laughs> there's so many <laughs> questions. Just, can you divorce Hatsune Miku? Oh like, does she need to sign anything? Does she get custody rights of the kids? You know, like, how does it work? <laughs> and then Hatsune yeah. Miku probably earns a lot more than him as a civil servant, right? Like, mm -hmm. what yeah, do they sign? Yeah, envious of her, yeah. Exactly. But I think that's a, the upside of dating or marrying something or someone like Hatsune Miku is that she doesn't have a say. <laughs> <laughs> She's not so complicated and complex as like dating a human, right? Where there could be so many other things you'll never know about them. And I suppose, yeah, the, like the physical aspect, perhaps it doesn't really bug him that much, I suppose. No, um, I, think, I think he manages... <laughs> I'm just more like curious. Like I would love to sit down and have a conversation with him, not like to diss on his lifestyle, but just be like, how, how does this 
work and what do you think about marriage and does it have restrictions as to what you want your relationship with her to be? Like with this removal of Hatsune Miku from the program, how are you going to make this work now? Is she dead? Is she missing? Is she like on a long-term holiday? Like, how do you see this? What even is the institution of marriage? Exactly. Mm. <laughs> I think it's sort of evolved now to just be whatever the two people getting married choose for it to be. But then again, <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing like, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever this one person sees it to be, yeah. Wow, this topic ended up being a lot more deep than I thought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then you kind of went like ham on the philosophy of this fictional character. Yeah, thing. No. there is much to be said. I do remember rambling quite a lot in my own answer to that question too. If you, dear viewer, have some thoughts to share about our boy Kong. Wait, wait, wait. Before we do this, is there any fictional character that you would want to marry? <laughs> Oh, hello there. Are you just listening to Asian Polynesian here on Sin, where we just played three songs requested from our listeners, Matthew and Vivian? Well, fear not, as I will drop that act and fill you in on all the songs we just played. The first two songs, which were requested by Matthew, were the songs titled I Myroni, I Love You by I Spy, and the song titled Bita Sui Beri by Hana Noro Limited. We then have our song request by Vivan, which was the recent collaboration track from Jay Park featuring IU called Kanandara. If you're just tuning in now, our team earlier of Xenia, Tracy, JP, and myself were talking about a viral post and New York Times article of a Japanese man who is married to the fictional character Hatsune Miku, which if you missed that conversation and wanted to hear about it, make sure to check out our Asian Pop Nation podcast. Always self-promoting here, but anyways, here is our little part two of that conversation where we dive a little bit more into some fictional characters that we would hypothetically marry. So let's just roll the tape now. Is there any fictional character that you would want to marry? <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. Xenia oh. has asked a dangerous question. That I'm is like, a oh, very dangerous question. I have question an entire that. list. It's actually oh, really bad. No. <laughs> Oh, I'm my Lisa. husbands. <laughs> I could be... Your husbandos. I could be on or a New York Times article. Exactly. Uh, oh Who is it at the moment? Like, <laughs> um, I don't want to give a very basic answer, but I will. Is it from someone from Jujutsu Kaisen? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, if Nanami was ever on Gatebox, <laughs> I will get on that. But also, maybe I don't want because I don't want to experience the same heartbreak that Mr. Kondo has to go through once the service just out of nowhere gets like demolished. So maybe I'll save myself the heartbreak. How about you, John Paul? Um... I have to think about that. So I, I'd rather deflect that question to Tracy right now. Do you have one, Tracy? Like, I'm not sure if it's something you've considered. To be honest, I don't fantasize about getting married. Uh, <laughs> to, to 3D or 2D. <laughs> yeah, just like companionship would be nice. But actual marriage is like, fool, imagine. No, I can't. I don't really well. fantasize about it. I was actually thinking about like why I don't find fictional characters attractive and that's because most of the fictional characters I like I think of as bugs in a jar that I can study and I can be like oh this is their reaction to this specific situation it's like a very specific phenomenon 
um, called Scrunklifying that Tumblr has done a lot of research into. Really? So, yeah, I think Scrunklifying characters automatically just makes them unmarriable. So oh. that's my two cents. Um, moral of the story, don't marry Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you in a jar and, <laughs> and shake you around like a little... I feel like it's how you would, like, if you were married to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I would hate like... that. <laughs> <laughs> so, be like, so why do you feel this way? <laughs> Have you ever thought about this? Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's interesting. I, I'm trying to think. So, so a lot of the literature I consume is romantic. But the thing is, is I don't want to be with the male love interest or the female love interest. Uh-huh. It's like I love watching the romance between the two unfurl. You always talk about that guy from the anime series called uh, Garden of Sinners. Oh, I was going to bring him up. You um, were? I knew it. Who well, is Well, that's he? the thing. That this is where the example kind of rings true is that uh-huh. I don't think I would be a suitable partner to him as right. he is to the main character of that series. Uh-huh. You know? So the character is Miki Akokuto from Garden of Sinners. He is like the most loyal and <laughs> kind and caring guy you could ever meet. But he still like stands on his own. He defends what he believes in, but he's like every person he meets in this story, they love him. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I just think I, I, I would love to meet someone like that. I think more, not necessarily as a romantically, but just like, I'm in awe of how good hearted you can be. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was such like a, like what an answer. Again, all of Zenia's answer seems to be like, I just want to have like a cup of tea and a conversation <laughs> with this person. And I'm literally here like, if Nanami proposes to me, it's over. <laughs> You're down bad. But what is it about Nanami that you like so much? Um... <laughs> If you see him, you know. And I mean, again, he's just, he's a working man. I don't know. <laughs> he just has that something. He's, he has that something special that you can't put words into it. You just have got to a nice see him. Suit. He does have a very nice suit. You just yeah. have to see him, hear him talk, and that's it. It's over. That's all. <laughs> wow. But JP, what's your have you thought about it some more, yeah. JP? <laughs> no, I can't think of any because all the stories I read, um, nearly all the characters are insane and I wouldn't oh. want to go near them at oh. all. The only character I can think of is from a Russian novel. I don't think that's Asian. <laughs> so Russia's technically Please. part of well, Asia. Yeah, if you look, yeah, if you think, yeah. Well, I'd say um, if we're going to count it as Asian, I'd say Sonia from Crime and Punishment. Like, if you know me, I'm a complete degenerate. Like, I'm an immoral, you know, bottom of the barrel, you know, absolute human trash. And I think what I need is someone that will just tell me to, like, stop doing that. In a nice way? Is she nice? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, Honest, but nice. Honest but nice on no honest and nice okay no, she, yeah she's a very very strong-hearted character i quite respect her um but yes that's all from me and from everyone about the characters we'd marry wow what an interesting topic i can't believe we <laughs> dove so far but if you have any thoughts about uh our boy kondo marrying hutsune miku or if you have a fictional character you want to marry, 
or if you have any philosophical insights on the institution of marriage, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. The future depends on you. Please send us answers. <laughs> Welcome to our unofficial mini lovey-dovey corner here on Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha, the Cupid, I guess, of the show, and we just played a trio of love songs, if you will. First coming from Korean-Canadian artist Soul Child with his song called Love Me At My Worst. We then played the latest track from Malaysian artist Yuna, coming from her new EP titled Y2. The song we particularly picked from that EP was called Make A Move. We then lastly played this retro track coming from Korean male group Icon called But You. Once again, welcome to APN's Love Corner, or maybe we should just call this like the Marriage Corner because we have an unintentional back-to-back -back topics all about people getting married. But instead of an interesting marriage to a fictional character like last time, this time we're going to be unpacking the Marriage Proposal of the Year, which was done by Australian comedian Aaron Chen. Since I don't want to spoil too much of what makes this proposal so special, let's hear all about it from our APN team right now. So, before the break, we were talking about the marriage of a man to Hatsune Miku, but now we have even more marriage news. Aaron Chen, the comedian Asian man himself. <laughs> so, on the 29th of April, Australian comedian Aaron Chen posted on his Instagram an announcement of his engagement to his now fiance, Esther Shim, with the caption, Congratulations to me, I'm engaged. And so, in true Aaron Chen fashion, he had proposed to his fiance not only at a fast food restaurant, but he had also hid the ring inside a box of six chicken nuggets. So the post not only showcased the photos of the happy couple eating their chicken nuggets, but also showed Esther Shim in front of a secondhand store while posing with the ring, which has some people interpreting it as a location where Aaron Chen actually may have gotten the ring from. So yeah, I don't know. He straight up just got a box of chicken nuggets and proposed to this girl just like that. We've had two legendary men in a row. I cannot believe this. We had one man straight up marrying a full-on abstraction and going above and beyond ubermensch. And now we have a real man proposing to a real, true, bona fide girl with a real box of chicken nuggets. Isn't it beautiful? This is Aaron Chen we're talking about. So this is... Right. I mean, it's lighthearted. It's cute. But for me, personally... It's a no. It's really? A, yes, I'm now like a wedding, no, a proposal judge, and I say no. What's the perfect proposal that you've either seen or that you imagine? <gasps> oh, that's gonna take me a while to think because I also don't ever think of myself getting married anytime soon. <laughs> Chronically single for 22 years and counting, so um, I don't. I've not envisioned any sort of wedding happening anytime soon for me personally but if it does come um i'm probably gonna be one of those people that like goes on pinterest and stuff and just like oh, that's a subtle hints yeah that's pretty yeah <laughs> what about you guys i don't know maybe tracy guys... have you ever thought about how someone proposed to you, <laughs> you 
Steve and never really thought about getting married. <laughs> I'm so surprised that you don't find getting proposed to at McDonald's romantic. Like maybe McDonald's is a special place for them. Maybe that's where he comforted her or she comforted him after like a really tough day and like it holds special meaning in their hearts. Uh, you can make anything yeah. oh my God. meaningful if you want it to be. Romanticism is in the eye of the beholder. It is hugely subjective. That Who are you to true. say that this isn't a romantic proposal, Alicia? I'm sorry, but I think there's more romantic. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, you know, I'd agree. Like, baseline, as long as it's meaningful. Like, maybe he really likes chicken nuggies. Like, <laughs> <all of> them. <laughs> That's how they bonded. That's where they first met over chicken nuggets. <laughs> he was working at McDonald's. <laughs> he was ordering McNuggets. Wow. <laughs> oh, how about you, Xenia? I know you're a pretty big romantic. Honestly, I am in awe and I like, respect Aaron Chen for going on this non-traditional route. Yeah. And- He's potentially guts. buying a ring from a secondhand store. It's like the cheapskate in my heart. It's like, I love you. <laughs> then you're men just, out there. He's just got engaged. That, that means he'd be a good husband. He knows how to work with money proper. You know? it's not yeah, wasted. I was yeah. like, because the engagement ring's not even the ring you're going to use when you get married. It's just no, it's like not. the temporary one mm, until you get the wedding true. band. I'm the kind of person that likes to find a balance between cheap like affordable <laughs> and romantic so i think this is absolutely romantic i'd rather it be like tracy said and jp would say like meaningful but mm. maybe like strange as opposed to just like a nice restaurant that we've never really been to i wouldn't mind someone like similarly like getting a tub of ice cream and sticking a ring in it and proposing with a tub of ice cream. I think oh. that's the best that's the most romantic thing someone could do that just give me a tub of ice cream that i'll enjoy for the next week very interesting when we're talking about like proposal and stuff i just want to ask this question because this is like it's like a big pet peeve for me whenever i see proposal videos online and stuff like that i hate public proposals yes those are times which actually riled me up because (laughs) like i proposed to them in front of everyone at like central park new york Put them on the spot that way, you know? Exactly. Do they Do they really want to say yes? Or are they just saying yes because everyone is right, looking at you? you know? Everyone's staring. Well, if anything, just... it's a pretty good strategy. But, <laughs> but that's not the strategy you want to go to if you're trying to no, you're trying ask to someone to marry you. Yeah. I mean, engagement is a weird thing. It's like before you swear to be devoted to each other for the rest of your life, you swear that you will... Eventually, eventually at some point. It's a weird practice. It's not actually like an Asian tradition. There might be similar things, but this specific concept of like engagement Mm -hmm. is like a very Christianity and Judaism focused Mm -hmm. practice. And the whole idea of like a crazy engagement proposal has become sort of ingrained in the mind, in the popular consciousness. It's like uh, he he made an aeroplane right in the sky for me or something. Like he just gets more and more ridiculous. And this is like a, what's the word? a um a reversal of that exactly you know that's what comedians do like they set up your expectations and then they knock them over so in this way it sort of reflects Aaron's profession as a comedian i don't know <laughs> the proposal was a bit the whole time 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're probably going to mention it in his next show, right? Yeah, for I sure. Did, like, um, there was a comment I think I saw on the post from another comedian, and it was like, "You'll make a wonderful wife, Aaron." Yeah, <laughs> wonderful Yeah. Like, imagine getting proposed to at McDonald's, and then you go like, "Oh my god." I can't believe it. And then he's like, oh, that's funny as heck. That's, that's so just funny. funny. I just gotta say. And then everyone stands up and claps. And, oh, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. What and they all start crying. Oh, they'll do the wedding there too. That's where the yeah, reception it, will it's be. It's a great bit. Yeah. Wow. Aaron yeah. Chen, if you're listening, please do that. Like, do the actual, like, We wedding. should do an interview. And it's like, how's the wedding planning going? Yeah, you know. <laughs> will it be yeah. at another fast food chain? All right. We will organize to get Aaron Chen somehow. My God, we have to. <laughs> but anyway, if you're excited about Aaron Chen proposing to his now fiance, let us know your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are about to overturn the entire culture of proposals in general. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's go. Yes, Ura. go. Proposals do not make sense. Yeah. So if they don't make sense, we may as well lean into it. You know, absurd. Yeah, lean into it. Make it into a a bit. Yeah. It's all about life bit. is comedy. Comedy is life. Who are we to say what is what really? <laughs> wow. Hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. We have a collection of songs we played just now, so let's go through all of them before hopping into our final topic of the night. First, we played the song titled Vancouver from Korean male artist Big Naughty. We then also have a fiery hot new single from Australian Vietnamese rapper Sirachi called You Want More Sir, which also comes with a music video which came out last week, so do check it out. The final song we have comes from Japanese male group B First with their song called Betrayal Game. Honestly, a very fitting title because as you will hear when we get into this next topic, I did feel personally betrayed by the Met Gala and Miss Anna Wintour this year, as I'm sure many fellow people who love to take a peek in the Met Gala also share the same sentiment, but yes, it is time to tackle the beast that is this year's Met Gala event that occurred earlier this month. There is still so much, yet so little to discuss about this year's show, even a week later, but I'm getting a bit too ahead of myself right now. Let's just start our Met Gala group conversation right now. Now, as Australians, we are one day ahead of the Americans, and so for us, on the 22nd of May, we had the return of the annual Met Gala, the internet's favourite fundraising war slash red carpet event slash celebrity fashion parade. The theme this year was Gilded Glamour, inspired by a specific time period in American history, the Gilded Age. Now, this age took place between 1870 to 1890, and this was a time when there was a lot of changes in terms of wealth distribution and industrial growth of the nation. So there's a lot of cool things that were popular during this time. Think of dresses with corsets and large... You know how the dresses, it's like you've got the corset and then you've got like this really poofy skirt but it's flat mm. at the front but it's like you've got a really large behind like a peacock <laughs> oh no, not like a feathers but like it's sort of a bulging oh at the back so like a peacock but downwards <laughs> yeah exactly and, and then so like t- top hats and tails coattails oh. top hats and coattails that's so cool and like 
befitting of such an interesting period in time, most guests decided to just completely ignore the theme as they do every year and just come in black suits. Did we expect anything else to happen? No, not really. Anyway, we shall commence talking about Asian celebrities going to the Met Ball because um, some Asian people were invited there this year, believe it or not. No way. Yeah, I just, okay, Met Gala, I just love when the Met Gala rolls around because it really does feel like the one time when the internet unites together just to trash on rich people and designers <laughs> and stuff. It's a great uniting Isn't that what moment. Twitter does normally? <laughs> but it just feels like slightly more like a whole seal because we're all just critiquing like fashion and clothing at the end of the day and seeing how it fits in the theme. And as Tracy said, the Met Gala, as of the recent years, more and more, it feels like they're just following the theme less and less. Asian Pop Nation, we're going to slightly focus more on the Asian celebrities that were at the Met Gala this year. Um, do a minor, I don't want to say roasting, let's just say dissecting <laughs> some of these outfits. One of the biggest offenders, I will just straight up say, and I know... JP posted a question of best dress, but I want to go with the worst of first just to get my anger <laughs> just, you know, out there. So Louis Vuitton is a plague to the Met Gala this year because they had such a good roster of celebrities that were going to show off their designs for the Met Gala. We have um, Ho Young Jun, she's a South Korean model, but also most people know her now as that character in Squid Game. The name is failing me, unfortunately, but you know, she was there. I think this was her first Met Gala. And we also had Gemma Chang, also part of the Louis Vuitton lineup. And then in non-Asian celebrity moment, Emma Stone also was included in the Louis Vuitton thing. And all the Louis Vuitton ones, they're bad because they literally just zero percent like followed the prompt at all it felt like they took the opportunity to just show off their ready to wear like outfits let's just show these clothes that we already just made like ho young jun's outfit it just looked like a nice outfit i see most people here in melbourne would wear on like just a casual night out but it's not like what like yeah, <laughs> with the cutouts around the boobs. Yes, <laughs> just a nice casual outfit. Would you? I wouldn't wear. No, that. like it's a clubbing outfit. No, I said yeah. That's why I said it's like a night out, like a nice casual night out type of fit that people in Melbourne yeah. will for sure wear. Because mm. Melbourne, we are fashion capital. Wink, wink of this of the country. Ooh. But but um yeah, so it's just it does not hit any of the brief and it just made me so upset because you have such a nice roster of like celebrities this year who are down to I guess promote your clothing and stuff and you don't even follow the prompt at all. Gemma Chong's one was like they semi-tried but it almost kind of looks like oh my god Tracy can you repeat how you described it off air before? I like your description better you said that it looks like like a coat hanger like she yes. was just wearing a coat hanger around my waist i said yeah, that it, it looks like look like it yeah yeah i said that it looked like it was part of like a marching band uniform you know how they carry like the drums in front of them right oh, i thought you said it like the front of them they said it almost looked like a table as well and i was gonna say oh that. it does yeah I, I remember you said that too and i was like oh i mean free table for one for her once they go in the met dinner afterwards or something maybe that was the innovation there but how does she sit in that (laughs) Gemma oh god again Louis Vuitton she usually is very on point so I think this Mm -hmm. is Louis Vuitton's fault also like I mean I at least respect the ambition they had something there that they want to try um the Met Gala is meant to be outlandish and I think this is 
really weird and you know something that you wouldn't see on a casual clubbing night out so for that alone i think it gets like ambition potential points Mm. yeah yeah for sure like hers at least in the louis vuitton like collection i think hers and maybe vanessa hudgens ones they got like a semi pasta because you can see that was like again it was an effort like tracy said to make it more in the ambitious scale but everyone else's especially if you search up emma stone's one which i encourage you guys to search it up wasn't it just her wedding dress? Was it a wedding dress? Yeah, that's what they. It looked like a nightgown. It just looked like a nightgown you can buy I at like. Mean, at I'm like sure the they were nightgowns during the Gilded Age, and they probably haven't changed much. No, it's just paying respect to all the people who went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, she's she's repping the sleepers out there. My apologies, <laughs> but again. As I, I will stand by my statement, Louis Vuitton, the play of the Met Gala this year. But okay, let's zoom quickly to other Asian celebrities that were at the Met Gala to quickly highlight. Um, my free pause goes to Michelle Yeoh because purely because she was there. Um, her outfit, mm-hmm. it's a pretty dress, but it definitely is not in that theme. But she looks gorgeous. The green looks great. So that's like my free pause. And then, oh God, okay. Simone, I just need a moment with Simone Ashley because I love Simone Ashley. She is most popular at the moment for being Kate Sharma in Bridgerton season two. And I love her. Her makeup in this is so beautiful, but the outfit, I was just expecting more. I don't know. I think people have this notion when the Met Gala started rolling around, because quite a few actors and actresses who were part of Bridgerton were at the Met Gala. And I think people were confusing the Regency era with the Gilded Age and were like, these guys are in the show where they're wearing poofy dresses and they're not doing that in this one. What's that about? But it's like, different era guys <laughs> it's two different eras and also they do not have the same designs and stuff but i understand the disappointment that they didn't i guess go with the pizzazz <laughs> i wish someone I mean, she looks had. great she looks beautiful she absolutely- that's more than we can say for some of the other outfits i reckon yeah like, like and I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to say but yeah Aquafina, um, if I had to pick worst dress, not even worst dress in terms of Asian celebrities at the Met Gala, just worst dress full stop. I'm so <laughs> sorry. But Aquafina, you are the What's child. wrong with it? I like it. It looks nice. Okay, D- 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 go down. Go down your Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. Oh, it looks cool. I like the puffy stuff at the bottom. I like the pattern. There's like a star on her chest. That looks nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent dress. It's interesting. The star yeah. sort of makes it look like a bit sci-fi, like she was yeah. in a really like like a Doctor Who episode from the 70s, right? But uh, then the puffy thing at the bottom is like kind of flamenco. It's yeah. like in a slightly weird, slightly off on the rest of her outfit. It looks like she's standing on a red carpet, yeah. maybe. That is like, and, and you know, I, I like how normal she looks standing as well. Like she's not striking a pose going, like, <clears throat> you know? Yeah, she looks yeah, like she's she's, uh... she's just like standing there going, hey, what's up? What are you looking at, bro? Yeah, yeah. Hey there, once again, you are listening right here on Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha, and we're gonna go through together all of the songs you just heard, starting first with the track called Draw Me by Japanese artist Spencer featuring Viva Ola. 
We then played the song called Dirty Talk by Taiwanese female artist Zoe, before ending our trio of songs with the song called Metro by another Japanese artist who goes by Neo Tokyo Metro. Welcome to part two of our Asian Pop Nation Met Gala reviews and general thoughts, because unfortunately with this year's show, we have a lot of thoughts. Cough, cough, mostly disappointing ones when it comes to the outfits shown this year. So let's bring ourselves back to the gilded glamour theme and back to this group conversation. Um, other than that, though, um, I like how uh, NCT's Johnny looks like Kirito from Sword Art Online. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> the moment you said that, I, I saw the vision. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's gonna pull out his two swords and do a. A starburst is Trimu, you know? <laughs> he looks like he's about to do that, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, he'd work well in a, in a Sword Art Online live action. A live action Sword Online. Yeah. Again, investors, get onto that. Yeah, get get on Johnny that. on that. Actually, <laughs> don't, because I will cry Actually, when yes. I will be like how JP was when that live action Cowboy Bebop comes, if I see Johnny yeah. in a live action Sword Art um, Online. Jennifer Lawrence is Asuna. I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> literally hurting me but anyway donnie um i'll just say face face wise he looks so it's all right yeah it's uh, good. yeah all right <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so he's good are you saying he gets a pretty person pass leisha oh no he's, he's not getting the pass oh michelle here was the only Thank one goodness. he gave a pass for wow. because Thank his goodness. outfit did, just did not cut it fully i'm sorry but he's just like visuals he like visually very handsome and then ever since JP brought up Kirito, I, I cannot like go past that mentally anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let me like, hold on. I want to take a moment to like scroll through. But I like Henry Golding's. I think it was simple, Henry, but it yeah. actually Henry. suited the tailcoats sort of style of the Gilded Era. Oh my god, my Malaysian cousin. He's <laughs> a simple man. Yeah, it's very detailed. Like men's fashion, mm. like traditional men's fashion, is all about the small details. It's like mm-hmm. the stitching on the inside of the collar is done mm, in a very yes. slightly different way. And this is a reference to the Regency era or, or the Gilded Age because this specific dressmaker did this very exact same type mm. of stitching. Like it's all very like very small details like that. He looks like um, a James Bond character. Isn't he a James Bond character? Yeah, didn't, yeah. He, yeah, didn't character? people say he was going to be one eventually? I don't know. Because he's a square jaw and he's British. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. He was on the waiting list. <laughs> um. Oh, and if we're talking about like men specifically, I would say Ivan Mox one was very like I like it. <laughs> I I think the yellow is fun. The I think it's a fun take on the the theme. His pose is kind of like we're going off by pose. I love a good double thumbs up <laughs> pose. Um. But yeah, I, yeah, like what Sanya said. I think it's like a little fun almost like modern take of it and like a jojo character with the pink hair and everything <laughs> yeah it's very cartoon yeah yeah i like it i was like riz Ahmad one was interesting because when i initially like he just walked out on the runway showing it i was just like oh okay type of thing but then apparently during the interview um his outfit was specifically Oh, how did he phrase it? But he, he said it was specifically to highlight like immigrant workers that did make the Gilded Age actually happen. Because again, Gilded Age in US history is about like America going through a lot of wealth and, and big development stuff. But then the workers, the, the proletariat. Immigrants, yeah, we get the job, job done. done as quoted yes. by. <laughs> also, like, I like Olivia Rodrigo's dress. I'm not really sure, like, 
if it suits the theme, but why is it that she always seems to wear colors related to her album? album? <laughs> Sour album. That is yeah. true. I heard like I I saw a video once of like somebody they also mentioning the same thing. They were like, oh, like Olivia Rodrigo, she looks really pretty, but you start to slowly point out that like her at least I don't know her design team or whatever puts her in the same style all the time with any red carpet event, and it's typically. A purple dress in this type of like fitting, and everyone's like, "Damn, that's our album <laughs> promo. Let's go!" It wasn't like the one of the most listened to albums of twenty twenty one at all, or was it twenty twenty? Yeah. So uh, I guess they're trying to give her like a signature look, so they see her and they're like, "Oh, that's Olivia Rodrigo." Like with Ariana Grande and her ponytail, like, <laughs> or Adele and her like um, eyeliner. Like they will have a specific, or look. like her beehive. <laughs> yeah, the huge beehive she used to have, like retro Adele has retro soul. This is I, I know Kim Kardashian is not Asian, but yeah. I just thought it'd, be, it'd be funny to. I thought it was interesting mm. to note that her dress was the one that Marilyn Monroe wear, wore when she was singing "Happy Birthday to the President," which is not the Gilded Age. At yeah, all. which is not at <laughs> all. And like, it's so weird because I feel like so many of the designers just took this as like, oh, we can dress them in old Hollywood style, and I'm like, that's not the not the right era, but yeah, whatever. And it's like, I just. What's going on here? I saw so many like flapper inspired ones and like mm-hmm. again old Hollywood stuff. I'm like, this is guys. The assignment was there. <laughs> read, read it. I don't know. Any open the textbook. Like there's Google. some prompts that or themes from the past Met Galas where like, yeah, you know what? I have no clue what this is either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of okay to explore a little bit. But I feel like this one is pretty straightforward. Um, what did you think about um, Blake Lively's dress? Oh, hers is definitely. Um, haha, one of the best of like if I pick like a top four she's definitely in there um, yeah it was really good has the transformative aspect that a lot of people typically expect with like Met Gala so I was gonna have like a little performance-esque element to it and hers definitely did it's based on the Statue of Liberty right yeah yeah it's based on the Statue of Liberty and yeah no it's cool and then also in her interview it's clear that she knew a lot about like the little details with like her headpiece what it all meant in relation to the Statue of Liberty and New York and stuff like that and I was like wow that's nuts but also Blake Lively kills it every Met Gala <laughs> she kills it all the time so it's no surprise that she just did that <laughs> anyone else want to dunk on the Met Gala <laughs> or praise it for being a great display of yeah, at something. the end of the day you just just putting pieces of cloth over your naked body. I mean, does it really what matter? What is clothing exactly? What even is oh clothing? Oh my god! I can't just take a, I can't take another philosophical take. No, <laughs> breaking yeah. my brain. Like, no, no matter what you wear, you could have a Kirito outfit or a, a Gilded Age dress. You know, at the end of the day, you, all you've got is you. You know, so oh my god, just gotta learn how to you love know, yourself. Care. We're all just that is so cheap. Oh my god, oh god, no. people that say, we Oh, just, just love yourself, <laughs> get out of my face. But you know, I only say that because they're right, <laughs> it's uh, the truth. But it's we don't like, like saying, Don't be sad, yeah, like, don't be thanks. sad, bro. I'll go do it now, yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know. Your clothing, you're not your clothing, you're you. So, yes. Yeah, learn how to live with that. A word of inspo to all the celebrities that we just like roasted for their outfits. Yeah. Remember, the clothes don't define you, you are still yeah. you. Yeah, words from JP. I'm <laughs> but I'm sure still that. No, I'm pretty sure Leisha said that. <laughs> 
I just, I just paraphrased wow. your whole thing up for you. No, see, there are your words. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a permanent. I'm a again fashionista Lisha here. I will remain a Met Gala trash talker for the rest of my life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In other words, the Met Gala continues to fulfill its function as a time of the year, the, or of the time of the year, as the time of the year where we all dunk on celebrities for being out of touch with reality, yeah. and people make posts like, "I can't believe everyone is talking about rich people parading around in excessively expensive, unrealistic, horribly um, made clothes when real people are out here suffering." And you know that it was just something that will continue to happen every single year. Thanks, Anna. Until Winter. the end of time. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Anna. We we love you. Appreciate you. Yeah, invite us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Invite some of the we common have, folk. Like, the common folk Met Gala. The common folk come there to deconstruct the concepts of the Met Gala. Yes. I know we won't have any money to like donate to the museum, but hey. <laughs> yeah, like if they really want to like be like to like show the disparity in uh, between the gilded ages, glitz and glamour, and the the hard conditions in the sweatshops, they should just bring a bunch of normal people there to just be like, and this is what I wore, and it can be a horrible, no fun thing where we all get reminded of the fact that rich people are rich and we are not rich people. Yes, that is right. I agree. We <laughs> must emphasize the power of the proletariat and their. And their position in society, we must capitalism. Communist the Met Gala. What has this become? Yeah, what? Are you, what like this is revolution. <laughs> revolution. Yes. Um, if you have thoughts about the Met Gala specifically related to the Asian people who are in attendance, please let us know <laughs> at Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Greetings to everyone who is listening to us right now here on Asian Pop Nation, whether live on air or on our podcast. It's Leisha here, the executive producer of APN, who is here to fill you in on all the songs you heard just now. First, we played an R&B track called "Tomorrow," coming from Korean female artist Kwon Eun-jin. We then played the latest track called "Hiwa Mata No Boru Kara" from Japanese pop rock group Rokyo Shoku Shakai. And finally, we played a song coming from Korean male artist Ojon called Tall Grass. We have reached the unfortunate moment of the show where I must say that we have reached the end of our show for tonight. But honestly, the month of May just gave us heaps of big events to talk about that it just feels like time was zooming by so fast. We talked about Le Seraphim's debut with their title track and mini album called Fearless. We also had tons of concert content from future Asian artists coming down to Melbourne to some of our team members reminiscing on a concert we went to earlier this month. Shout out to Grant Perez. There was also Love in the Air with two topics all about marriages to fictional and real life people before we ended the show with a minor, not-so-minor rant about this year's Met Gala event. Whether you were here for the rants, the pleasant, chill conversations, or just for the music, we want to say thank you so much for joining not only myself, but also our team tonight of Xenia, Tracy, JP, and Lee. And before we say our farewells, we still got one more song to play tonight to reminisce on how time seems to be going by so fast. We have Toro Waimoi with his song called Going By So Fast, which comes from his latest seventh studio album called Mahal. Remember, you can always tune into Asian Pop Nation every Tuesday from 8pm onwards right here on Sin. 
And for bonus content, you can always follow us at Asian Pump Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to our Asian Pump Nation podcast available anywhere you stream your podcasts. Good night, everyone. Thank you.